Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Um, I'm touching first on Judges 7 about Gideon's walk. And I believe that this is very important for us to understand in this time of what God is doing. Let's jump to verse 2. They're going to war, and the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel claim the glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. God is not interested in your victory. He's interested in making a statement about your victory. He wants to be in such a place that it can only be him. That you can never say, it was me that did it. It is something. So he said, there's too many. So he said, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. That better. There we go. So whoever is afraid or fearful, you must turn around. You can never walk into what God has for you with fear in your heart. You can never walk into the victory if you saying, well, I don't think we can win this war. I don't think there's enough of us. So there was 32,000 of them. Do you know how many turned around? 22,000. 22,000 says, no, 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 look, actually we're scared of this war. We don't feel like this fight. And they go back home to their place. So 10,000 is left. What do you think God does? He says, it's still too many. He says, when the people go to drink, with other words, when they go to a place to replenish themselves, how they replenish themselves will determine if they are called into the remnant or not. So let's assume this is a river. Okay? So here's a river. So the 10,000 people come to drink. And God says to them, watch how they drink. So some of them went on their knees. And they did this. Now, I hope I'm not going to make too much of a mess. But they drank like that. And others laid down flat in the mud. And started drinking like that. Now, who's ever been at an animal waterhole? Or a river in the wild where there is animals. It's quite a mess. There's quite a lot of mud. There's um, tracks where the animals went. And all kinds of leftovers from the animals. It's not a clean business. I got off fairly lightly from lying down. But that must have been fairly okay. And the Christians who are willing to just... Well, I'm a Christian. I'll go to war. But I don't want to lose my dignity. I am willing to, willing to go to war, but don't upset my apple cart. Don't do it within the box that I have. God says, go home. He said, I only want to take the 300. Who's willing to lay down every little bit of self-preservation that is left. Anyone who wants to impress, I'm hoying them out. 
anyone who wants to say, well, you know, I can win this fight in my own strength. Anyone who thinks they so well prepared for this fight that you scarcely don't need God, he sends them all home in verse 6 or verse 5. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him aside. And everyone who gets on their knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. You can take this away from me, please. But so there's a process of God working with a remnant. We've heard the word remnant a lot during the last months. Yeah. That there is a process of separating those who just want to be in church and those who are actually called to be the church. Yeah, There's a process of saying, if you want to be a spectator, if you want to serve God within the realm of how you want to serve Him, I'm going to slowly but surely remove that. It's going to be a process of removal. As a church leader, as a senior pastor, every time that I think on this people I can build, this is the guys that can build, and you start taking them somewhere, the moment the pressure comes on, oh no, we, we, we don't want that. And you build and you build and you build, and oh no, I don't want that. And you start over again. But God is saying, I'm moving people from the remnant to the front line. We can spend a lot of time, I'm going to skip it for now, but they went up the 300 against more than 10,000. It's, it's not a fight. It's not fair. You're never going to win. And it's not like they had superior weapons. In today's life, if you go up with a machine gun against somebody with swords, you can win because the stacks are odd, 300 against 10,000. You can win because of your weaponry but at that moment 300 went up against thousands without even ever lifting a weapon the story is goes like this that the lord wakes gideon up at night and says go and listen to what's happening in the enemy's camp and the lord started letting them have dreams of something just rolling through and crushing their camp so god brought fear into the thousands although there were only 300 coming against them. And then God gave them a, a plan to go in with lights and trumpets, not with weapons, and with a shot. They went in with um, their lamp covered, and they spread all around the mountain. But nobody could see them because their lamp was covered. And when Gideon gave the sound, they uncovered um, their light, and suddenly the army saw lights all around them. But they think that every light represented hundreds or thousands of people, but every light only represented one person. And the army ran. Before there was one single fight, before anybody picked up a weapon, when they showed the light of God and they shouted with all they have, the army ran. But the start of Pentecost for me is where God says, get rid of your dignity. Fall down on your face and do what I say. You see, the 300 out of the 32,000 was the remnant. Basically one in a hundred. So a hundred people are going to come in here. 
And 99% of them are going to say, no ways, this won't work for me. No ways, this is too undignified. No ways, this is not there. These were those who would go to war and win the war. God is not interested in winning a war naturally. He wants to do the impossible. He wants you to have a victory that can only be attributed to him. In your situation is desperate and you have no way out. And if people think you're mad for even trying, then you're the remnant. When everything is stacked up against you, when your odds are 300 to thousands, then you're in the place where God's going to work. Then you're ready for the miracle. God is separating those who are fearful and those who are trying to retain dignity. We worshipped a little bit wilder, if I can put it like that, this morning than normal. Hmm? We didn't stand still and made all like a choir sound. We were a bit wild. And in this time, there is a requirement of letting our dignity go, of letting our pride go and saying, God, I'm with you. Amen. So they blew the trumpet and they cried out. And every, in verse 21, And every man stood in their place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled when the 300 blew the trumpet. And the Lord set everyone's sword against the companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled. You see, God is going to cause confusion in the situation that's coming against you. God is going to do the impossible when you do two things. Get rid of all fear, get rid of all dignity, and do exactly what He says. The, the blessing is always in the instruction. When there's a war to fight, and God says to you, well, take a light and a trumpet, not a sword or a gun or a big um, armor. He says, just take a light and a horn so that you can blow on it. Totally wrong advice, I'd say. Doesn't make sense. That's when God starts to operate. You know, in 2 Samuel 6, verse 14, David's bringing the ark in. We've been praying for the presence of God to operate in this place. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. Logan, how does it you dance with all of your might? Hey, do you dance quietly? And I saw some beautiful photos of a few years ago of you dancing again. It takes something. You come out of a dance competition sore and stressed, and it's, you can't do it half and think you're going to win. The same David gave it all. He went wild. Okay. When I go wild, it's a bit out of rhythm and it's not the prettiest sight. But I don't care anymore. I'm a grandpa. I can do what I like. <laughs> okay, my grandson loves me. I don't care about the rest. <laughs> While all of Israel were bringing in the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpet. Church, we've been to Kawaiat. We have been too quiet. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, in other words, David's wife, was watching from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. You can't get to God and keep your honor. You can't get to God and keep the respect 
of those who are watching through the window. There's watchers and there are doers in the church of God. And the watchers will despise the doers because they are beginning to trust God for the impossible. For more than what you can imagine. Now let's go to Acts 2. Let's get to Pentecost. When the feast of Pentecost have come, they were all together in one place. It's already been read during the worship. Without warning, the warning there was a sound like a strong wind and a gale force, and no one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages. I've only seen this once in a church. We were in church in Port Elizabeth, a small little group, and we worshipped, and the worship was going over time, and it wasn't, the sound wasn't perfect. But there came a worship atmosphere. And suddenly there was the sound of thunder all over the church. About 80% of the church heard it and about 20% never heard it. They only watched it and said, I didn't hear anything special in there. And others' mouths were hanging open and looking around. What is happening? Is the roof going to fall off? Is it going, the building going to collapse because the sound is so much the band stopped playing, and the sound kept on just rolling backwards and forwards through the room. But those moments happens when everybody is in one accord, and everybody has laid down everything that stops them from entering in, and the whole group grows in as one. And that is so difficult to attain, when everybody jumps in as one. Then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread throughout their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. If you've been a Christian for any length of time and you've not pushed in to speak in tongues because it doesn't fit in with your dignity, can I say, church, God is calling you to fall down on your face in the mud saying, I don't care who thinks and what thinks about it. I want all that God has for me. As the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were blown away. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept on saying, Aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our own language? Oh, oh, lose my place here, technology. So they were coming from all over the place, and all the different places are mentioned there. They were hearing God speak in their own language, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning, verse 12. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Is your worship confusing people? Is your worship to the level that people are saying, they must be a little crazy? I told this so many times. I gave my life to the Lord because of a couple of school children in a moment when the last thing that was on my mind was worship. Started worshiping God. Started taking a moment along the beach on a moonlit night just out of naturally started worshipping. It confused me completely. I couldn't believe that young school children 
want to use a moment late on a Friday night to worship God. You should be jollying and doing all kinds of naughty stuff. It confused me. What's going on here? Others joke, they're drunk on cheap wine. Has somebody yet said to you that you're drunk when you're worshipping? Has somebody yet said, no ways. You must have had a sip of something before church. Okay? Don't use it as an excuse to come into church drunk. Okay? You don't need any other spirit but the Holy Spirit to enjoy church. Okay? Oh, others joked they were drunk on cheap wine. Okay, there's all your dignity gone. There's all whatever you try to preserve is out the window. Hey, Mapule. If somebody starts, hey, that Mapule. I don't know, she disbehaves when she's there at church. She stands on her head, she does flick flacks and just all over the place. She must, uh, I think her house is too close here. She had something, quickly ran back between prayer and worship. That's what happens when the power of God comes on you. They will try and find any solution to what's happening because they will not understand it. If you're watching in through a window, if you're watching like the way those people were watching, then you will think it's God. It is the drunkenness. Then Peter speaks up. Fellow Jews, all of you all visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. What's it now? About 11. It's only 11 o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. And we all know the scripture so well. I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. We are many kinds of people in this place. Your sons will prophesy and also your daughters the young men will see vision, and your old men will dream dreams. When the time comes, I will pour out my Spirit on all those who serve me. Amen. Men and women both. I have to, still at this stage, in 2022, we still have to declare that God said, I will pour out my Spirit on both men and women. I don't care what your gender is. God wants to work through you. Don't leave it for the young ones. Don't leave it for the old ones. Don't leave it for the men. Don't leave it for the women. God is saying, I want to use you. I want to prophesy through you. Every single one that sits here, God says, I want to prophesy through you. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood on fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous. And whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. If you are in trouble, that the spirit moves in a place and part of its moving is God helping. So I see people saying, I don't want to pray in tongues, but I want God to help me. God's saying, it's one thing. That's right. Where my spirit, I don't want to prophesy, but I want God to solve my problem. Yeah. 
I don't want to lose my dignity, but I want God to solve my issue. I want to live in fear, but I want God to solve my problem. It's one. God says in that same place where he talks about the very spirit moving, he says, I'll call out and I will help you. I'll just jump down um, to try and save a bit of time. It says, God untied the death ropes and raised him up. Death was no match for him. It's talking about Jesus. That death did everything to hold him down. We've just heard two stories. Freddie told us about the man who was left for dead that woke up. And then he had an accident and he was left for dead and he woke up. Mom spoke about the son that was dead and the prophet came to lie on him and he woke up. It was happening in the Old Testament. It's happening in the New Testament and it's happening right now. That God wakes up the dead when we step into the supernatural. When we step into that place, the same way that he untied the death ropes to Jesus, so he will untie death over your situation. Some situations in my life is so dead, I don't even know if Jesus can undo them. But then I go to the scripture. And I realize the more in trouble I am, the more opportunity it is for God to move. Because I can't do anything to change it. Let's jump to verse 29. But being also a prophet and knowing that God has solemnly sworn that a descendant of his would rule his kingdom, seeing far ahead, this is David speaking, he talked of the resurrection of the Messiah. No trip to Hades, no stench of the death. This Jesus God raised up and every one of us here is witness to it. Then raised to the heights at the right hand of God and receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father. He poured out the Spirit he had just received. And this is that moment at Pentecost when he poured out the Spirit. When he said, okay, now I'm calling everyone to move from being a watcher to being in fold and being a doer. You see, up to there, all the disciples was watching Jesus do this stuff. But suddenly, it moved. There's no longer room for doubt. God made him master and Messiah, this Jesus whom you killed on the cross. Cut to the heart, cut to the quick. Those who were listening asked Peter and the other apostles, brothers, brothers, so now what do we do? We've got to come to that place where we're asking God, God, I don't have this feeling. I don't know. I feel like an outsider. I feel like a watcher. How do I fix this? How do I become part of the remnant? How do I become part of what God is doing in South Africa, in Honeydew, right down my street and in my family? How do I become part of what God's doing instead of being on the outside? Peter said, change your life. You can't stay the same. You can't say, well, I want God to do these things, but understand I am who I am. Understand my background. Understand my issues. Understand everything. No. Change who you are. Turn to God and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins are forgiven and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
It is a gift. It is free. It's not dependent on if you've solved everything in your life. It's not dependent if you have laid down every sin. It's not dependent if you have done any studies. It's only an invite. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our Master God invites. We're going to come back to that invite in a minute. He went out on this vein for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. You see, the sick and stupid culture is all those who are trying to retain their dignity, all those who are trying to act like Christians and act like them, but it's not really a hard thing yet. The word came forth yesterday during the prayer meeting. God wants our heart more than our actions. God wants our heart, and we just want him to do the things. But where's our heart? Oh, shit. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, and the common meal and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe and those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. And they followed a daily disciple of worship in the temple. I'm battling to get guys here every Sunday. What if I said we have to be here every day? Okay? A daily worship time in the temple. Not at home. Not in your quiet place. Quiet time is such the wrong word. Daily worship in the temple. And they praised God, or exuberant and joyful. As they praised God, people in general liked what they saw, and they, their numbers grew. And every day the numbers grew as God added to them those who were being saved. Wow. Frontline. We've called ourselves frontline. We have a responsibility to be on the frontline. You see, that remnant, that 300, became the ones who won the war. Can you imagine how much offense there'd be in the church if I found an arbitrary reason like how you drink your water to decide if you can come to the service or not? <laughs> I stand there at the, the door, okay? No, you've got too much pride, stay here. You've got too much. Okay, you're not dressed well enough. And I find an arbitrary reason. Can you imagine how cross that 22,000 was that God told they must stay at home? They can't go to war. But they'll say, oh, but look, I've got this long sword. I'm ready. I'm trained. I'm fit. I've done it before. I've won 10 wars. But you want me to not go in just because I didn't fall on my face like a dog? Sometimes what God does will cause offense. Sometimes how God works will cause offense, and we'll have to keep our heart right. Matthew 23 talks about the white painted graves where Christians look fantastic, but there's no power in them. There's no power in what they do. There's a 
tension between where God wants you and where you are. And that tension sometimes frustrates us. God has called you here to operate and work in miracles and see things change and to prophesy. Oh, but I'm enjoying my Saturday afternoon. The rugby is important for me, Formula One or whatever. I'm, I'm not going there now. So there's a tension between where God has called you and where you are. Often that tension comes from holiness. God has said to you to lay things down. And you're saying, well, I don't really want to. I'm not ready yet. Soon, God. But I'm not ready yet to lay that down. And it creates that tension. I call it the shoot myself in the foot anointing. I don't want pastor to see the anointing that's on me because just now he's going to use me, but I know I'm not worthy of being used. Hey? <laughs> the shoot myself in the foot anointing. You think your pastor doesn't see it. <laughs> I've been in this game long enough. I've been in this position long enough, and I used to belong to that club. And you know what? To a certain degree, I still belong to it. I don't want to step into all that God has for me because I'm not worthy of it. So now it's got quiet, eh? So now there's a tension between your calling and your commitment. There's a tension between your calling and your holiness, and there's a tension between your calling and your commitment. As you are a watcher that thinks those who step out and take God at his word is drunk or crazy or strange, or are you ready to jump in? Are you the remnant? Or are you the one looking through the window saying, hey, must be crazy? That's front line. We can't be the ones looking through the window. We can't be the ones who says, well, just calm it down a bit, Pastor. You're pushing too much now. You're a bit of a freak. I haven't been called drunk yet, so my challenge is now I want to go out and be so crazy for God until people say, you must have had something before church. But I have been called a freak. I have been called strange. I have been called weird. Have you? <laughs> when last did somebody say to you, Pastor Wendy, you're a bit weird in the way you're worshiping? <laughs> God is ready to do something. All right, let's close this up. And to the Revelation 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. In other words, they were doing something. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out. Frontline, I can't say it strongly enough. God says being lukewarm and a sort of Christian and just doing enough what you think needs to be done to stay in as a Christian is not enough anymore. You can either have hot coffee or you can have a frizo. But you can't have this one that's got lukewarm. It's not nice. (laughs) 
Because you say, I'm rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. If you think you're okay, you are in trouble. If you think you've arrived, you are in trouble. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. What is zealous? As an Afrikaans boy, I had to go look it up. I had to say, what does zealous exactly mean? Because I can say you must repent and be zealous. I think a lot of frontliners have got to the place of repentance. But we haven't got to the place of being zealous. I see the Christians come in here and God touches them. And if those doors open, they are here. And if we having a meeting, doesn't matter what kind of meeting it is, they're there. If it's VIP or if it's youth or if it's anything, they're there to receive from God. And then you watch it drop off. Just something happens and they're a little bit offended. Something happens and it doesn't grow the way they thought it's going to go. And they start drifting away. They're still coming to church. They're still calling Frontline their home. But their heart's not in it anymore. They've lost their zeal. The definition of zeal, according to the Merriam-Webster, is filled with or showing a strong and energetic desire to get something done. Energetic. We need some energy in this place. <laughs> we need to get out of our comfort zones. You can't just be way, pulled away when anything happens. Verse 20, listen how crazy this is. Behold, I stand and the door at knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. How many times do we knock? God, I need you. God, I want you to do something to me. But today, the roles are reversed. And God is knocking... And God is saying, I want to dine with you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That is the energy I'm talking about. That is the zealousness I'm talking about. That is the true filling in of the Holy Spirit. That comes in and takes all of our little bits that we bring to God. And then God says, oh, but there's more. Well, you know what we do? We list everything we've done. Lord, I'm leading a church. Lord, I'm doing this. Lord, I'm running a home cell. Lord, I gave in the offering. Whatever we list, God says, I know your works. I know what you've done. But there's more. There's more. To him who has overcome, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. 
You as an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.